This is the third partner in the Half Court Podcast, Half Court Press Podcast, which, well, Lorenzi, I'm Sam McEwen. Uh, I'm number three. It started with Jimmy. It continued with Dirk. And now it's me. Yeah. Joel, it's nice to sit with you. Yeah, likewise. If, if there's any, if the, the past means anything, you might be out of here soon. I don't know. No, I plan on sticking around. Sure. I, I plan on sticking around for a good long time. Yeah. Um, that's where I'm at. So, nope, the, the past will not be prologue in this particular case. Hello, everybody. Uh, this, is, uh, this is going to be uh, the Creighton, Nebraska basketball podcast. Right now, um, I'm covering Nebraska right now, and Joel obviously is covering Creighton today. Though he's wearing a 1996 NCAA Final Four uh, Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah, we didn't have to tell them that. You know, I, I always, I always had a debate in my head since I got on this beat because I got a, I, I'm a big fan of like vintage, like oh old, yeah, the the basketball team, especially like yeah. the Final Four. I love tournament. that team. I yeah. remember that team quite well. Right and. So I got like I'll wear like the Arizona '99 squad. I got a shirt of that, but I also got a few UConn joints. So I kind of been I haven't mm-hmm. worn them a ton since I've been here because I know people. I love that. Feelings, but I have a I have a trivia for you on that particular shirt. So oh, that tournament was held at the Meadowlands. Last time it wasn't held in the dome, was right there. Ooh. That's the last time it was held in what you would call a traditional basketball arena. Okay. Um, if you don't count the Alamo Dome, which was briefly the home of the San Antonio Spurs. Um, but that was the last one. The Meadowlands, they played Syracuse on the parquet court back when the Nets had a parquet court. And then real national championship was played in the semifinals. Kentucky played Massachusetts. That was the national title. Mm-hmm. And after that, they changed the way they did seating. Because the way it was, it was back then, it was just automatically stuck east and southeast, played each other that year, and it just happened that Kentucky and UMass were the number one seeds, and so they drew each other. And then on the other side, it was Mississippi State and Syracuse. Hmm. So that was a that was a monumental Final Four, you because it never that, happened huh? after that way the same Oh, my God. Let's be honest. College football and college basketball were my two favorite sports growing up. Sure. And it wasn't until... I became an adult that the NFL pulled even with college football. Mm. Um, but, yeah, growing up, college football and college basketball were it. All right, here we are. Uh, we are at the final week of the regular season. We're going to start with Creighton, then we'll come to Nebraska. Uh, the, the Blue Jays play Georgetown on Wednesday night. Then they're going to play DePaul, what, Saturday afternoon? Is that a matinee game Saturday, in Chicago? Saturday night. Saturday night in 8, Chicago. 8 p.m., that's, that's always fun. 8 p.m., Joel will be there. Um, it's going back home. Yeah. Back to his, apparently they have a nice arena, like it's new. Yeah, I mean they use it for everything now. Which I'm not gonna say it's better than the United Center. I, I never liked the seating in the United Center. I'll say that. I mean the United Center is the, you know, it being iconic is what holds it up. But I'll be there next week, and it'll be the first time I've ever been in there. Really? Yeah. So United Center. So overrated, man. Well, <laughs> but. But but I am from there, so I, I probably could say that. But Wintrust, uh, Wintrust is like even though it's smaller, they use it for everything now. Like yeah. if something comes to town, they'll use Wintrust. Um, it's it's a cool it's a cool arena. I like it. Well, the United Center is used constantly by the Bulls and the and and the Chicago hockey team, and then and then uh, you know I guess the Big Ten tournament. Uh, so they'll play in Chicago. Then next week they play in the Big East tournament. Nebraska plays tonight against Michigan State. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll talk a little bit about it. And then on Sunday, they go to Iowa uh, and play in Carver-Hawkeye Arena. We'll talk a little bit about, obviously, the Huskers' run and what, what's next. As far as the Creighton stuff, we will talk about last week a heck of a lot more than we'll talk about this week because last week was 
a a preparation for the Big East in the NCAA tournament, and that's where Creighton's focus will be lying. I want to remind everybody to subscribe to the Omaha World Herald. Uh, You can do that at www.omaha.com backslash subscribe. Right now, we've got 26 weeks for $1. And if you think about 26 weeks, that's six months. We are at the end of February, so it's February 28th. That will take you all the way to late August. That'll get you Nebraska football. That'll get you the first Husker football game of the year, first Husker football game of the Matt Rule era. That'll get you the volleyball day uh, in uh, uh, on August 30th. And it'll also get you pretty much every all the way up to like all the offseason stuff with Creighton basketball. It'll get you, obviously, through whatever their NCAA tournament run is. All the recruiting. I think they're going to add a couple of players uh, in, um, in terms of transfers over the summer. So there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff. I, I suspect, and we'll, we can talk more about this as the weeks go on, there's a lot that's going to happen with Creighton basketball after the season. Oh, I think there's a lot coming. Um, and we'll see how the season ends, but I think there's a lot coming. You're going to want to follow that. You can do that at www.omaha.com backslash subscribe. And then I want to remind people to subscribe and listen to the Even Field podcast, which is a spotlight on women's and girls' sports uh, through the Omaha World Herald. That's a good one. They're going to talk a little bit more about the Creighton and Nebraska women's basketball teams and what's going on with those two. They both go into their conference tournaments this week. Nebraska probably has to win two games in order to make the NCAA tournament. Creighton's in. They're good to go. Doesn't matter what they do. But in my opinion, if they were able to win the Big East tournament, which I think they can do, they might be able to host uh, first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. And I am not kidding. I think they've got a chance. They were to beat Villanova and they were to beat UConn on the way out. I think they would have a legitimate opportunity to make an argument that they deserve to be a four seed. We'll see how it happens. That's going to happen this weekend. Listen to the Even Field podcast. They will be previewing that. Okay, on to the Jays. Last week, uh, I watched it on TV. You were there live. That seemed like an incredible atmosphere, the, the loss to, to Marquette. Yeah. NCAA tournament kind of atmosphere, kind of a sweet 16 kind of feel. Incredible game. You know, one team punches, the other team punches back. Marquette won, and I was a little surprised. But, you know, Trey Alexander has an open three to win it. Didn't make it. Uh, Marquette wins by two. And then they go to Villanova. I don't think you were probably shocked by that, by by them losing. You might have been shocked that one guy scored 31 points or whatever. Yeah. But they go to Villanova, and they get, they get beat. And Villanova, all of a sudden, they're kind of in the same spot as Nebraska women's basketball. They got to win about two or three down the stretch here, but they might make the NCAA tournament. That's how good they're playing right now. When you think about what Creighton endured last week, falling out of the top 25, dropping a little bit in the NET rankings, what did you find that was positive? What was concerning? What were your key takeaways from those two losses? Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Villanova. Um, I think. I mean, they're, they're sitting right above 500, so it would probably take a, a Big East tournament championship win to get them in the tournament. Probably. But, um, this is not far-fetched. Like, this team looks different now that Justin Moore is back in the fold and looks like he never tore his Achilles. Um, and we saw that the first time the two teams met in right. Omaha. Um, they they went back and forth, and that was probably one of the more memorable, ugly games. If, memor- if ugly games are memorable, I guess. But um, – but, yeah, I didn't expect Saturday to go the way it did. I mean, there was always a, a chance they would lose, regardless of whether they beat Marquette or not. I think that was – I mean, Mac said it himself. He thought it was going to be the tougher of the two games. I think it would have been even tougher had they beat Marquette, considering all the pressure that there would have been to, you know, keep that contention for the first right. seed in the, in, in the league. But, um, I mean, you would have thought that's 
what unfolded because they absolutely pounced on them. Um, and it was, I didn't expect it to unfold like that. And the way it unfolded, you mentioned it, Eric Dixon scoring 31. I'm not sure he ever does that again. And, um, I mean, he just, he torched Creighton. I mean, he torched Cogburner, and it was just the, it was what had to happen. I talked about this on the radio this morning, but the way Creighton plays defense, um, it's kind of like the the Bucks in the regular season. Um, you know, a lot of they they depend heavily on drop coverage. And, you know, some games they'll lose, and it just it comes with playing drop coverage. But you know that most games you'll you'll win and you'll beat people down because you got a rim protector like Kalkbrenner and. And so uh, this was one of those games where you saw the flaws in, in their coverage and, you know, how much they could do because it's not like they could turn away from Kalkbrenner, right? But at the same time, like, a guy that could stretch the floor like Dixon did the other night. I mean, this is a guy that went one for six from deep the first time they played. And he goes, I think, went six for eight from three, something like that. Whatever became 30. And then Kalkbrenner goes out there and Dixon went right by him. You know, there was one late, I think, in the second half when they'd maybe drawn within 11 and then Dixon goes and gets a three-point play, and you're like, there's really nothing you can do. Yeah. And Kalkbrenner's not going to guard someone out on the floor and, you know. Right, and I, th- I think it was more so, you know, being caught, and, and Mac mentioned it, being caught in between. Like, so right before the play you mentioned, they they cut the deficit to seven, and Kalkbrenner, like Dixon's in the corner, but Kalkbrenner gets caught right there in the short corner, um, and he's seeing, and I, I can understand his pain as someone who really – um, I think the big man mold is my favorite player. Like I, I love Giannis. I, uh, like historically, like I'm a big Olajuwon guy and guys like that. Um, Anthony Davis. Like I, I love big men. And so um, I feel for Kalkbrenner because his instincts as a rim protector, like he's seeing the perimeter constantly be breached and and Villanova get constant paint touches. Like it's it's getting ugly. And so. Um, his instinct is to okay, well, I know what he, I know what Dixon's doing right now, but in the first game he went one for six. So how long can this go on? I, let me at least help mm-hmm. and, and show because I'm I'm probably the scariest dude around the rim in the country. Right. And it just a Dixon just never stopped, man. Like it it just kept falling for him. And so on that play when they uh, cut it to seven, Dixon um, he gets the first corner three and he misses it. And then Caleb Daniels, and this is this is a one thing like, if it's one thing if you, you know, are giving up paint touches, but you don't get the rebound, the defensive rebound. Caleb Daniels gets it, gives it to Dixon again, and he goes two for a dollar. And then from there, that's when he gets the and one on the next play, and uh, so just stuff like that. Um, positives from that game, from either game. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think Marquette uh, positives were you know. You were right there with arguably the best team in the league. I mean, their, their record speaks for itself. This is a really skilled team. They're number six in the country now. I'm one of the best offenses. They kind of have everything. Yeah, they're they're really really good. They are. Um, and I think uh, so that that's one positive, I guess. I mean, if still you still lost a, a tough game at home, like um, probably shouldn't have dropped that one uh, from Villanova. I, I don't think I had too many. I th- I think uh, a positive you could walk away from is that. Kalkbrenner probably comes back next year, and you know that's a guy that's going to get better, I'm sure. And that you know is severely important because everything that happened that night revolved around him, good or bad. Um, negatives? Did, did you ask me for negatives? I'm going to give you negatives. Yeah. yeah. Uh, negatives. Ooh. Uh, just 
where Creighton sits right now, it felt like um, even though we, we talked about the Villanova game being tough going into the week, like there has to be – if it doesn't feel like they have a leg up right now. Like if it felt like they had so much momentum going into that Marquette game. and They did. I'm not sure it was the loss itself that knocked down that momentum completely. I think it was the way it maybe unfolded, you know, being up 14 and – uh, Marquette battling back the way they did and still, you know, having a tie game, I think, with over a minute or even less than a minute. And um, Colick going to the rim twice on Kalkbrenner to, to win that game. And then Trey Alexander missing the three. So it's the way they lost that game, I think. that. And then, uh, obviously, people wanted to call for, for different calls at the end, you know, certain questionable calls, I guess. Um, I'm not one to talk about the refs, but, but people were up in arms that night. So the way they lost, I think um, – it was a, a blow to their momentum. Stuff on the floor. Yeah, it was a blow to their momentum, man. Yeah. And and so, um, and know. then you know, and, and I appreciated what Max said after the game about the fans, but then the, that game became very much about the ending, yeah. and not about not about the fact that Creighton had an eight point lead at halftime, and just kind of come came out and got punched. Right. Yeah. Like that. that their second half was the, the the very first start of the second half. Marquette came out and took the game over. Yeah. And even though they they needed Kolek to hit those two plays late, you know the the sense of urgency was you know Creighton had a chance to put it away, and they did not even come close to doing that. And then the, you know, I like to put sometimes basketball things in football terms, even though this is a basketball specific contest, but this helps. You got fourth and one basically two different times in the last minute, and Kolek ran for it both times. Like he just kind of there was no fouls, there was nothing tricky, there was nothing cute about either one of those plays. He just made a play, yeah. And he's a little tricky to guard because he 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 can change his speeds and there's things that he can do. But I thought in that moment, I'm like, that guy just got to the rim and made two huge plays. And Creighton, as good as Nemhart is, I don't think anybody on Creighton's team could have easily done that. Baylor got one one free throw, but then the or one layup, but then the the next play it, it took a three, and he you know Trey didn't make it, and so. I felt like in that moment, when you get right down to that last minute, Marquette's got a guy that can go do that. Creighton doesn't. And Marquette's got kind of a complete team. I mean, their center is got flaws. He's not a perfect player. And he's not as good as Sunoco. He's not. Yeah. But he is he is easily good enough. He reminds me a lot of Christian Bishop. He used to be at Creighton. Sure. He's easily good enough that if he's playing well, that's the best roster in the Big East if you're talking depth. And then I think the second-best roster is Creighton, and the third-best is probably Connecticut, who probably may have the two best players, but they don't, it, they're inconsistent. You can just tell they're, they're not very consistent around those two players. So I, I kind of felt like in, in watching the game, I was like, Marquette kind of just kind of snatched Creighton's soul a little bit in that last minute. No, for sure. And then before the Villanova, then, well before that. Yeah, I think just when start a, that when second half. Started, half. Yeah. And that's kind of what I, you know, I was like, yeah, they kind of, they kind of decided they were going to play a little bit more. And I, some of that, I think, is Shaka Smart's personality. And then Villanova, yeah, you know, that Villanova team. Uh, and you know, Cam Whitmore, I think he did it twice where he really, he really embarrassed. I mean, he, and he does this a lot now where he just went around a guy and went right and just jammed it to Jay's face. And after the second one, uh, I think McDermott was ticked at Kaluma. Because they called timeout right after the second one, and he's and I don't know if he was telling Kaluma you need to watch his left hand. I'm like, well, Cam 
Whitmore is right-handed. If he can do the, if he can go both ways like that, it's pretty hard to stop. Yeah, I mean that's why he's an NBA prospect. He's a good player. But he's he is he is a really good player. Yeah. If they make the NCAA tournament, that's a guy that can get you to the Sweet Sixteen because you blink and all of a sudden he's got sixteen points and five rebounds and three assists in two straight games. Like he has that ability. Yeah, and and honestly, um, we can't just. I think we got to take that loss. Uh, and put it in perspective, like, we can't write it off uh, just because Eric Dixon had 31 and it's probably an anomaly. I mean, um, you still got to consider that, that Nova is one of those teams that could pose a threat in oh, the yeah. Big East tournament, not just to Creighton, but to everybody. Um, and so it's not the worst thing in the world, but the way it unfolded was the worst thing. And then you mentioned the Marquette game. Like, um, for Marquette to be probably the best offense in the league, it shouldn't have looked like the best defense in the league that night. And a lot of times to, it did. To come out that second half, uh, just forcing constant turnovers. I think when Creighton's in that mode and has a stretch, I mean, they've dealt with stretches where they don't score for five minutes. Um, that's already enough to handle. But when you're turning the ball over every other trip down, damn near every trip down, I don't know how you win games like that. Like you mentioned the sense of urgency. Like that, It has to be there even if you're ending up with, you know, a shot that's half decent. Like, you need to value possessions. Like, they talked about valuing possessions all year, and they were throwing the ball sometimes on on similar plays to start that second half. The Big East standings are as such. Marquette has a two-game lead. They finish with Butler and St. John's. I think Marquette's going to win the Big East title. Yeah, I think that's been a wrap since they beat Craig. Now, they could choke. They could. I watched Wisconsin do it last year unlikely, in the man. Big Ten. Um, but then they would need someone would need to win two in a row. Providence would be the most likely to do that. They finish at home against Xavier and who do they play? Who else does Providence play? Seton Hall. They play Xavier tomorrow. Seton Hall on Saturday. And those are tough games. They are. They are. It helps to be at home. Where if you, as you wrote, I, I think they've lost one time in three years. Yeah. Xavier obviously has to go to Providence, and then they play Butler. They host Butler on Saturday. Creighton has a pretty good finish. They play Georgetown and, and DePaul. Let's assume they finish 14-6. and six. It's possible that Xavier and Providence will finish 14-6. and six. It's possible that Marquette finishes 17-3. and three. And then UConn at 11-7. and seven. If Creighton wins its last two games, it's not going to fall below UConn. Um, it's going to be where UConn is. They, put, they finish with DePaul and at Villanova. I'll take Villanova to win that game. But where it stands right now, it's possible that Creighton will be uh, a 2-3 or 4. If there are four, they get the they get the honor of playing UConn. Yeah. Uh, if there if there are two, if they if they move all the way up to the two line, they would get the uh, the distinct honor of playing. Let's see here, the winner of St. John's and Georgetown, which yeah. would be St. Honestly, I think it would take a complete meltdown for the from the other teams for them to go. I think the the most realistic spot is the four C right now. Um, well, if they go fourteen and six, and Xavier loses two, you never know. I don't know what they. I don't know exactly what the tiebreaker would be between Creighton and Xavier. Is yeah. it? Is it like the Big Ten? So in Big Ten, if two teams are tied and they split the season series, which Creighton and Xavier did, then that would mean that uh, they would go to who who had the best record against Marquette, then yeah. who had yeah. the best record against yeah. Providence. So there's there's a couple of different there's a couple of different considerations there. Um, it's possible that Creighton would end up on the right side of it. But let's say they end up at a four. That may actually be the ideal spot when you think about it because then they get to play UConn again. Uh, I, I think they're. I think that's a good team for Creighton to play because that's an NCAA tournament kind of game. 
and then they give them a chance to play Marquette again. And I think that's another good game for them to play because if you're, I think if you're going to pick two teams that challenge you physically and all the other things, those are the two teams. Those are the two teams, other than Creighton, in my opinion, that have the best rosters in the league. I don't know. I don't know if they have the – well, I know UConn doesn't have the best coach. Marquette's got a really good coach, in my opinion. Sure, yeah. I don't know about UConn. But. I, just, I just think you want to play on Friday. You want to at least go past Thursday. And I, I think a UConn matchup, I think that's one of those teams that they really don't want to play. Sure. Um, uh, just the physicality, the athleticism. Um, when UConn is at its peak, um, which it has basically looked like in the two times they played them, arguably, um, even in the loss in Omaha, you know, it, they came pretty close to – to beating oh, yeah. Creighton um, between Hawkins, well, if foot it's, on the if line it's foot, and, yeah. yeah, so um, I think that's a team they really, really don't want to play. Well, you don't want to play Villanova. I think they probably rather game? play UConn than Villanova. I, they don't oh, want to play wow. Villanova. You're right, but I think they rather play Villanova of the two. And then, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This, I mean, still like I'd want to get out of Villanova's way. Still, when you when Me. you consider <laughs> star power, I think. Um, UConn is still more athletic. Sure. Um, a, a player like Hawkins um, is probably the best player, um, not in that game. I think Carl Brennan is the best player in that game, but um, he's the best talent probably sure. in that game. Yeah. And so um, it's already enough de- dealing with him, let alone Sonogo. It's just too many things they had to throw at teams. Um, and I think people during that slide with UConn, people forgot about that. I mean, some of that is probably due to coaching. Some of that um, is probably due to the deficiencies that they dealt with midseason but UConn is still one of those teams in the, in the league man uh, and I think they're one of the teams that Creighton especially does not want to play it's, it's just not an ideal matchup for the first game Creighton is currently a number six seed according to the bracket matrix which I like because it's kind of a compilation I don't know if you have a go-to bracket proje- projection um, but Creighton is currently a six seed Marquette is a three Connecticut is a four um, let's see here where's Xavier they're a four. Yeah. Creighton's a six. Providence is an eight. I still can't believe they lost that game to Providence. Yeah. So there you go. The Those, double overtime. Yeah. They had chance. Frust- frustrating game. If if you're if you're watching that from the outside looking in, I think Creighton's a better team. And For sure. I think they're a better team than Providence. I think that was an that was an example of a game where somewhere in there you've got to find a way. To you know, defensively, we're not going to let this guy get another eight-foot scoop shot or runner. Like you, no, you're going to have to. You got to force people to take a little bit tougher shots. I think they got tired. I don't know. You probably talked about you talked about that game with Dirk. So um, we we feel pretty good about them beating Georgetown. DePaul, are they scary? <laughs> well, DePaul in, did, in Chicago. DePaul did beat Xavier, but I don't think that's the case here. Xavier was was one of those teams. I think they were still undefeated at the time, so they were bound to fall at some point. Whether it should have been DePaul is mm-hmm. up for debate, but um, I don't think Creighton could lose to them. I mean, they absolutely torched them on on Christmas, um, thanks to Trey Alexander. So I don't think these are two games they should worry about. I mean, certainly shouldn't look past them because you are you you have more to lose than you do to gain. You need some momentum going into the, the tournament, but um, definitely not. I think uh, this past week would tell them more about themselves than the next week will. So, hmm. They have to get to the uh, – they got to get to the two line to play one of the play-in play play teams. Your play-in teams are almost certainly going to be 
Um, let's see if I've got this right here. I'm actually having to manually count. Oh my god. I'm ridiculous. No, actually, so they... Villanova's got to play a playing game. They play Georgetown. Or St. Seton Hall plays Georgetown. So you never know. It's possible. You you know, you'd like to get to the three spot so you can play a playing team that maybe has, you know, they're not quite as... But you think the most likely spot for Creighton is in the four seed against UConn playing five. I think so. That'd be fun. I, I In my opinion, that is ideal. I mean, they, that they win the last two, but they still end up as a four. They get to play UConn. Then they get to play Marquette. I think they can beat both teams, and if they beat both teams, I my my hunch, and we'll talk about this more next week, is they're seeing Villanova in the final. It's just they're so unpredictable. You mm-hmm. don't know what you're going to get, um, especially after this past week. And so uh, I don't know if it, you you want some sort of predictability there. And, and with UConn, you don't know what's going to happen. So for that to be the f- first game is why I say it's not ideal. It's ideal for the vibes if you want a cool game. I, I'd like to stay in New York longer than a day, so – um, I don't know how I feel about that game. It, it feels pretty threatening as a a beat writer, but um, <laughs> but past that, um, yeah, it's it's a good game. If if all works out in their favor and they look like the team um, people thought they were going into the Marquette game, then um, then yeah, it's a good road for them to be prepared for the the real tournament. Yeah, right. And that's what matters. That's what people remember people by. At any more, like if I were to ask you and you were there, you you were there to watch it. <clears throat> If I were to ask you, how do you remember the 2022 Kentucky basketball team? Are you are you actually at? Yeah. How do you? How does anyone remember um, that team? You probably won't remember them in this future you'll conversation. Remember, you'll just remember them as the team that lost to St. Peter's. Oh yeah, well, that's what you remember them as. Oh, 2022, you said. Yeah. yeah. The team Lester. I was there, by the way. I know that's I what said I just that, said uh, enough on this podcast, but um, but that's my point. Is like you're defined. Any, I mean, this sport, unless yeah. you win a regular season and a tournament title, you know, winning the Big East tournament would be a big deal. But Creighton's the great basketball teams, good basketball teams, are defined by what they do in the tourney. And even even if you win a, a regular season title, if you lose that first round, it, it's it basically, stinks. yeah, it's it's all for nothing because yeah. people are going to remember you by that first round exit. Which is, yeah, well, I'm still better. I had Kentucky in the Final Four. And they, <laughs> they screwed me over. All right, let's talk about Nebraska. Um, Nebraska's season is likely not to be remembered by the NCAA tournament because I don't think they're going to make it. Um, they've made an interesting run here at the end, but I think they would have to get all the way to the Big Ten tournament final. To even have a chance, and that'd be hard to do. I do. Um, I do want to say, I've, I've when I was on this pod with Dirk a few weeks back, and we were looking at this last stretch. Yeah, he was like, "What's the road to the to the NIT?" And I said, "Well, I think they could win quite a few of these games." And I look at the schedule; they've only lost one of their last six. And so right. it looked like I was a prophet. I don't know; you I might were. be jinxing them for the next two, but uh, it, it looks like they they certainly could could get that NIT bid. Now, tournament is. Probably still far-fetched, like you say, but... Completely. Their hardest game is tonight, and the one at Iowa's hard. Yeah. But their hardest one is tonight because they're playing a team that, A, is very similar to Nebraska in some ways, and, B, just has better players. And Michigan State has been a real thorn in Fred Hoiberg's side since he got there. The games are usually fairly well-played. They're high-paced. But Michigan State ultimately has just more good players. Um if Michigan State were in the Big East this year, I think they would probably be about fourth, fourth or fifth, in their own league. They're in you this. Think mass- so? I do. Yes, I do. Yeah, um, I think they. I think in a lot of there are a lot of seasons where they actually kind of would fit that league a little better than their own league. Um, in this league, in the Big Ten, it's a giant jumble. 
and it's it's complex and obviously Michigan State had lost a week there to the tragic shooting on their campus. Um, there's just a lot of things going on within the context of that program, um, but but you know the fundamentals are still there. Nebraska's going to have a hard time winning tonight. Um, I would you know I would favor Michigan State even though it's senior night, and then they go to Iowa. Um, but but what has been true? Why this team's made the run that they've made? They've won four straight. They've won five of six. Is when you watch Nebraska, whether you like their identity or not, they have one, and they know exactly who they are, especially on especially on offense and on defense. They have found a new identity without their two best defenders. Is there? I gotta ask. Is there a, a silver lining in this season, considering what what's happened? I mean, I know that the the Hoiberg era has been, you know, overshadowed by shortcomings and, and whatnot. And, yep. you know, we entered this season with him probably on a hot seat. And now people are he was. for sure uh, wanting to at least give him another year. Um, so I'm I'm curious, is there – is this season even still a disappointment in, in most fans' eyes? No. Or what, 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 how would you summarize this season by, by now? No, it's a success at this point. Like yeah. it's uh, – they're 15 and 14 overall. Um, best case scenario I thought coming into this year would be that they would win about 17 or 18 games and maybe make the NIT. I don't think anybody thought they'd make the NCAA tournament um, based on the roster they had. So what they've done up to this point is about as good of a case scenario as anyone could have imagined. I think people would say they didn't expect it to come like this. I think if they were 15 and 14 at this point and they had kind of gone back and forth and won some games and lost some games, people would be like, yeah, that sounds about right. But the fact that they beat Creighton, which is a big deal to Nebraska fans. Yeah. And the fact that they've been able to finish the way that they have and um, beat some teams down the stretch that I think one of those teams is, very, is in my opinion, pretty darn good, and a couple others are decent, um, I think make, makes people feel really good. And they like the team. It's going to be a sold-out crowd tonight for a 15-14 and 14 team because they like Derek Walker, and they like Sam Griesel, and they like Casey. Uh, and they like the coach's kid. It's hard not to like the coach's kid. He yeah. he does some things. Some good that, stories over there. He's pretty well. He's pretty sharp. He he he. I think he understands the game in a, in a way that he he's able to do a couple things every game that makes him that differentiates him from a lot of the players on the court because he just knows the game. And so he'll he'll poke he'll poke a ball away or he'll. He has a good sense of those things. So, yeah, people like the team. I think it's a success. If they were to win their next two, so if they go 17, if they win the next two and they go 17 and 14, there's a chance they could finish eighth or ninth in the Big Ten. Um, Fred Hoiberg would have an outside chance at Big Ten Coach of the Year, and I'm not kidding. Uh, I don't know that there's a huge amount of momentum to give it to Chris Collins at Northwestern unless they win down the stretch. And Matt Painter won't get it, in my opinion. Um and if they win the last two and they go into the Big Ten tournament, they actually have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, now, it would take a spectacular run. You'd have to win at least two and maybe three. But if they were to, if they were to do that, I think it would be the best season they've had since the one year that they went to the NCAA tournament in 2014. So if Matt Painter isn't getting it and Chris Collins has a good chance, but you say he isn't getting it, and then Hoiberg has an outside chance, who's the favorite? Well, Nebraska has to win out, and I don't think they're going to do that. Yeah. So the contingency is Nebraska gets to 10 league wins and Northwestern loses out, which I kind of think they're going to. 
which means Northwestern's at 11 league wins, then it becomes a question of, okay, well, who did a better job here? And I don't know what people will say. I, I think Fred Hoberg has an enormous amount of respect in the league. And if the coaches are making that decision themselves, they're like, look at this group of guys, and they just won you know, six games in a row at the end, give it to him. Uh, Matt Painter's won it four times. I don't anticipate Matt Painter winning it again. Yeah. I just don't. I don't know that anybody has any, like, ah, oh, let's give it to him. Uh, you know, they have a pretty good roster. So now if it were me, I would say that the team in the Big Ten that's going to be the scariest in the NCAA tournament, provided they get a reasonable draw as Indiana. Um, I, think they have the, I think they have the league's best player in Trace Jackson Davis, and I think he is better than Zach Eady. Best, best player in terms of what? Player of the year. You got to stop. And Zach <laughs> Eady's been the best player in college. We Come on, we can't do yeah. that. Oh, first of all, you can look at the numbers. Second of all, Indiana swept Purdue. Sure. So go yeah. ahead and look at the numbers. Go ahead and look. Look at the numbers in the league. Look at the numbers that Chase Jackson Davis has put up in the league. Look at the numbers that he had. Look at his block numbers, which are greater than Zach Eadie's. And look at his leadership. Now, who's the better leader of the two? I'm going to say it's Chase Jackson Davis. Their stats are actually very similar. And Indiana swept Purdue. I think he's going to win player of the year. I, th- I, think I the, really do. I think I, the drop-off... From Edie, from first option to second option with Edie and Purdue and Trace Jackson Davis in Indiana, they're not comparable. They're I mean, comparable. Edie is, very is so, so <laughs> important for that team. Like, Oh, so is Trace Jackson Davis. Oh, yeah, of course. But um, Now, he may not be the player that has the most talent on the team. The freshman of the year should be Jalen hood Shafino. Well, Trace Jackson Davis is still going to probably be a – not probably. He's still a better prospect than Zach Edie. But as college players – um, Indiana has parity. I mean, you mentioned it. Jalen Hood, Shafino, they got good role players. Um, Jalen Hood, Shafino's really good. Uh, He's become really good. Even Xavier Johnson is, is dang in the win. Like, they got a good team. Yeah, they, they, and I'm not saying Purdue's not a good team. But they think, have, they're going to win the Big Ten. They're pretty good. I think if you see them in the tournament, people are going to lick their chops. Um, oh, yeah. At that one seed, out of all the one seeds. No question. Because they won't of the drop-off from not ED. Be a one seed. That's my prediction. They won't be sure. able to see. Still, whatever seat they, they are, people are going to lick their chops because be the, the drop-off from Edie to the rest of the group is mm-hmm. severe, man. Yeah. You, you, it, I don't think you see that among that's the fair. teams in the country. So well, that's, that's why I'm, I lobby my case for Edie because of what he's done. That's fine. And with the, Who's going to win Big East Player of the Year? Cole got to be my pick now. Oh, you know. no. Well, he's not going to win it. Cole's not going to win it? I'm going to vote for him. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're going to vote for who you believe in. I think that's the consensus. Who 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 gets it over him? You know it'll be. Who? You know who it'll be. Who? Tell me. Adam Sinogo. There's no way. It will. That would be <laughs> He's the. going to win. That award. would be the biggest screw job well, in the history right now. of Big E's voting. If Sinogo, <laughs> okay. as in the fifth place UConn Husky, I'm I'm a seasoned veteran of watching these things play out, and they, he's had the narrative all year, so. What, what, what I'm crazy. not disagreeing with you. And I'm I've, just saying. I've this. talked about this a few times with other people. It's crazy to me. Uh, and one, I had to disagree. But two, I, th- I think it's crazy that we entered the year as like we were talking about Kalkbrenner and Sonogo as like the two guaranteed favorites. Yeah. And I don't even think, I mean, Kalkbrenner's had a, he had an outside chance recently before they lost to Marquette. That's right. But now it's like they're, they're probably, neither of them are probably top three favorites. I mean, you got mm-hmm. Kolik, you got Sule Boom uh, before Xavier took their tumble. 
Um, Bryce Hopkins was an early I, favorite. Like no. these, these are the guys that have been talked about all year. Cole okay, is, I guess we'll find out. I'm, I'm not a, trying to be arrogant. Like no, I'm, I'm just gonna, saying. I'm unfortunately, gonna, I suspect he's going to be the well, guy. The thing with Sonogo is in that, the Big Ten, I think it's going to be Trace Jackson Davis or Zach Eady, and I think it's going to be Trace Jackson Davis. But the, but I the just thing, do. the thing with Sonogo, I think was working against him is that he's he's not always the best player on the floor for them. I mean, Jordan Hawkins is yeah, probably their most important player, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I appreciate Certainly that. their most talented. So um, I think that works against his case. And so there's no way you could look at this Big East season and despite, I mean, Sonogo has good numbers, um, but I don't think the way that the standings fell that you could vote for Sonogo. There's no way in hell. Fair that enough. would be the biggest screw job. And I know I've seen it. The national media um, – has really held UConn close to their heart, even when they slid yeah. down the league. Standards. Nine feet away from ESPN, that's how you do it. Yeah, so. 4,000-word story on Hurley. Did you ever read that story? No, I didn't. But but then it, but that's not a knock to who wrote it. That was, that's just, I, I, oh, I don't no, read a lot of those stories. It was a fine story. Yeah. It was just, I mean, it was, it, was, it was very praiseworthy of a guy that hasn't done that much, sure. um, at least there. Uh, anyway, back to the Big Ten. I think Indiana's the most dangerous team. Coming out of there, and then uh, on the right day, Maryland. But Maryland doesn't make a lot of shots. Uh, th- they're a team that I like watching, but their guys don't make a lot of shots. So you're, you're right about Ayudo. And I mean, can't we be surprised? I mean, this was the, the favorite going into the year. Yes, uh, I'm not surprised. Yeah, no. like obviously they've, they've had mishaps. Uh, certainly haven't looked uh, perfect against certain great teams. They lost to Northwestern twice. Yeah, so they haven't been perfect, but they lost by one and two. <laughs> yeah, but they had the pieces to to make a run. You're right. Yeah. I think I think they're similar to Creighton in the sense that it really depends on their draw in the tournament. Because um, if I, I was talking about this on the radio, I, I saw Lunardi the, his projection today. Creighton was in the the same uh, on the same side of the bracket as Tennessee, and I think they wiped the floor with Tennessee. Tennessee's been such a disappointment to was me. Tennessee a three or a two? Three. Okay. Um, Creighton was a six. So. Um, I think they wiped the floor with Tennessee, if I'm being honest. They, sure. That's one of the more fraudulent programs in the country to me. And so um, there's certain people, like, if they ended up with, like, a a Houston or something, I think Houston literally hangs them dry. Like, I I, I think Houston yeah, very different kills, team. Them, yeah. kills them. Kills yeah. them. I, I think they know. I, th- I think everybody over there knows they don't want to run into Houston because even when Houston has dry spells. That's um, the number one team in the country, though. You'd yeah. have to be an eight. Well, the I, I was arguing this. It it was more of a hot take when they weren't the consensus sure. number one because Purdue, Zach Eady was was so great and um, Kansas had their run and. Um, well, I yeah. wouldn't want to play Kansas. No, Kansas, yeah, yeah, Kansas you, you is Kansas. I was I was just saying Kansas had their run at number one in the yeah. country, but yeah, uh, agreed. I I don't think they want to end up in the bracket with them either. But a Tennessee or something, there's certain draws where it's like, Creighton can make a run. I think the same by uh, UCLA. I don't like UCLA really. Teams you know? that teams that you know a team that went to the finals two years ago, three years ago, and they still final four. They're riding the momentum off that run still. Yeah. Honestly, well, but. they got the same guys. Yeah, and their coaches, you know, he's tough. No, yeah, he's a good coach. Mick Cronin is a good coach. Um, they're a good program. That's something we got to talk about. It's like what what number? I mean, because you figure, okay, so if Creighton were to win out, that mean winning the Big East tournament, they would be like a four or a five maybe. Sure. And then all of a sudden, you're dealing with teams that are very similar to you. Um, I don't know what that would look like. Wait, but if they win the Big East tournament, yeah, they have to at least be a four. I think. Oh, be I agree. Yeah, they have a chance of playing because they Moines. would knock off one of those Big East teams off the four line. Yes, they would. 
because you know, I mean, you're if you're looking at a, and we got to get out here in a minute. Um, if you're looking at a uh, a four seed, that's where Indiana's at. Kansas State's hanging around there. Yeah. Gonzaga, you don't want to play Gonzaga. They know they know how to play basketball over there. Miami. Lost to Florida State. St. Mary's. I don't know anything about St. Mary's. Pretty good team. Iowa State overrated. Um, I think yeah. Creighton would like to play Gonzaga, if I'm being real. I think they didn't, would. Didn't go well the three times they've done that in the last six or seven years. Yeah, but this team is, is it prides itself on defense. Yeah, that's true. So at their peak, I, I, I think they're a good match for And I'm not Gonzaga. just talking two years ago. Like They played them twice, and they were incredible games, but Gonzaga won them both. Right, right. One of them was here, and it was like 108-99 or some, some absurd scoring number they right. just they have a hard time uh guarding gonzaga um anyway yeah i guess that's something we'll talk about next week is if creighton is a six or a seven what twos or threes do they want to face i see kansas state there as a three and and creighton against kansas state looks awfully good to me and i know i've watched k-state and they're a nice team they have a hell of a player in keontae johnson but i think k-state is a four-line team According to the bracket matrix, which is again that compilation system, right, right. which I like, I like compilations. It's a three. Interesting. Your threes, according to that, are K State, Tennessee, Marquette, and Gonzaga. I agree with Marquette, definitely. Fours are Indiana, Connecticut, Xavier, and Virginia. I don't know why UConn's there, but I'm you know, five is they've Iowa never, State. They've never tum- they've never taken a real tumble in any of these in rankings and no. brackets anything. I know. Iowa State, Miami, St. Mary, San Diego State. Which is really physical, uh, and then the six is TCU, Creighton, Northwestern, Maryland. In my opinion, Creighton's better than all three of those teams. For sure. uh, I think so. The number one seeds right now are Alabama, Houston, Kansas, and Purdue, but it's close. UCLA is going to change that conversation, I think. Um, and let me tell you why. So you, let me tell you why. Yeah, UCLA guy, huh? Well, let me tell you why I think they're going to change this conversation. Sure. Because all of a sudden, if if UCLA makes it. If they if they win out, you know, if they get a number one seed, then you don't have any issues out west. You don't have you don't have to send Purdue out west to basically play in a region where UCLA is the, the de facto number one seed. Because that happens a lot where the four the, the four team has to go west and the five seed, which is the number two in the West region, is a West team and it, it makes no difference. You know, like basically UCLA is a number one if they're a number two because they will go west. Sure. So might as well just make them a number one. That would be my – that's my my logic talking because Western basketball doesn't win the way it used to. And then the two seeds are UCLA, Texas, Baylor, and Arizona. Talk about overrated. The Big 12 is overrated. The Big 12 is overrated. Yeah. Do you, th- do you really think that four of the top ten teams in the country are in the Big 12? I think so. I think they got a lot of teams that can make a deep run. You look at Kansas. Baylor's a good team that can make a run. Um, TCU is on the sixth line, and they're a good team to me. Um, Who who else did you mention? Texas, I think. Iowa State's a five. So, yeah, I know. Texas is is overrated, sure, but they could make a run, too, based on who they draw. I don't think Texas is overrated. They're not perfect. I guarantee. There's no Kansas State's not one of the ten best teams in the country. They're not. They just, they're, they're in they're in this weird matrix of a league that if they win games it helps them and I mean they kick Nebraska's butt. Anyway, I think we get out on that. This has been the Half Court Podcast this week. We'll be back next week, I think on Monday or Tuesday, to talk about the Big East and the Big Ten tournaments and what Creighton and Nebraska's chances of winning them are. 
uh, both. For Joel, I'm Sam. Thanks for listening. <laughs>